Hi everybody, you're listening to The Rope Podcast with Box and Maya. Thanks for supporting the show. This is a show with adult content, so if you are not of legal age where you live, then turn off now. Rope bondage is a risky activity, and you shouldn't attempt it without first getting proper training. Listen to episode zero if you haven't already. Fox is a rigger, and Maya is a bottom. We are long-term rope partners who live in Bangkok, Thailand. We love to share our passion for rope with the wider community. This episode is made possible by our patrons who support us each month. If you would like to help, head to ropepodcast.com to see many options. This year, we want to focus on bringing the Rope Podcast to a wider audience. To achieve that, we would like to ask you to follow us on Instagram and reshare this episode in your Instagram stories. We are Rope Podcast on Instagram. Another thing that helps us is if you give us a star rating on Apple Podcasts. It's anonymous, so you won't have your name visible on the internet connected with a kinky podcast, don't worry. And now, going on with the show. Today, dear listeners, we are talking with Naughty Devil, or Naughty for short, who is a rigger out of Portland, Oregon, in the USA. And as well as creating a lot of very entertaining content on various social media platforms, he is also the house rigger for Reflective Desire, a website dedicated to latex and bondage. Let's hear our conversation with Naughty. Hi, Naughty, and welcome on the Rogue Podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Welcome. So to get us started today, how did you become aware of rope bondage in the first place? I think I always knew, I knew from a very young age that I liked tie-up games. I think there was a lot of those were happening around me and I immediately fixated on that. But I didn't know that it was an actual like world that you could dive into until I was finishing up college. I was, uh, I, I went to a sex positive center and I uh, watched a Shibari performance that blew my mind. It was incredible. And I've been very into it ever since. Do you remember what was happening during that performance? Yeah. So to give you a little bit of context at the time, I'd never seen anything like it. I was dating a couple. They were like, hey, come to this Halloween party at the center. So I went with them and I watched this. It was, I think it started out as like a partial suspension where she was bound really tight and then had her clothes removed quite, quite uh, intensely from what I remember. Like, I think he actually like ripped her bra off at one point, um, like shoved her head against the ground and then like put her in a whole bunch of different like positions. But both of them, you could tell that they had such an incredible like dynamic between the two of them. And they were both very, very into it. And then he uh, like hoisted her up into the air. And I just, I had to remind myself to breathe because it was so beautiful. And the, their connection was so like palpable. It was, you could, you could feel it. And and they were doing some very, uh, I think they were focused on very poses that were very exposure play-esque, like one leg up in the air, a standing kata-ashi with the leg up as well. And just the whole, the whole time I was mesmerized. Awesome. And so after discovering you had this strong interest, what did you do about it? I actually, that couple, I approached them after, or probably towards the end of the party, because I didn't want to approach them right after the scene, but I approached them later on and asked them, I said, like, that was beautiful. How did you guys learn this? And it turns out that they were teachers and they actually were local teachers who taught at that space. 
And so I asked them when their classes were, and then uh, I threw myself into learning. We had classes twice a, twice a month that were taught by them. And then there was another teacher in the area I learned from as well. And I actually started self-tying and self-suspending way quicker than I should have. <laughs> um, I dove right into it. But I actually failed a couple college classes because I was, I had two notebooks. I had one that was college notes and then one that was me trying to figure out the physics of suspending people. And I spent way too much time in that one. So I actually had to drop a couple college classes because I was super invested in learning. But I, yeah, threw myself into rope immediately. <laughs> That's that's a sign that you'd found a calling, really, isn't it? And so those teachers you started with, were they teaching you a specific style? There was one who he was he had learned. He had taken in-person lessons from Kazami Ranki and from um, from Naka. And so that his style was a little bit more kind of it was very. It was very clean. It was very focused on it was focused on very clean technical work, but also he was a photographer who only shot like very, very hot sexualized positions. And so as my first teacher, all of the ties that we were doing, I was taught, what is the purpose of this tie? Is it functional? Like how does it function with the body? What are you doing? Are you just putting someone up in the air or are you exposing them? Are you um are you kind of like putting them in a position where you're going to use that later on. And that, that along with, he was very, very, very stern with the, I tie a single column. You like, look at the, like, what is that? That's garbage. Tie it again, tie it better. Wow. And I'm, I'm very much, I told him like, I need that kind of teaching. Otherwise I'm not going to get it. And so I love that, but that was very much his style. My other teacher didn't really care if the rope was messy, didn't really care if the rope was a little bit jumbled, usually only tied with two or three ropes, but his entire technique was to tie for connection, to make sure that the other model or the other person you're tying always felt like you were close by. And he was also pretty sadistic as well. So, um, and I actually bought him for him uh, for a little bit, starting off in my rope journey. He was one of the first few people who ever tied me. And so I got to learn while bottoming how it felt, like how it felt to have your arms yanked tightly up above you or like pressed tightly behind your back. And so that really resonated with me. So I then was like, I really want to, it really kind of like filtered over into my, into my styles where I want to tie both for function and tie pretty, but I also want to tie for connection. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like you had a shorter rope journey, but super intense. Like you really went for it. Um, I, yeah, I was practicing um, and tying every day uh, if I could. I was, there were some times where it was like, if I couldn't find somewhere to tie, I would tie myself. And I was tying, um, I was going to lessons, their regular lessons twice a month, and then also taking private lessons from them as well. And then traveling around in the local kind of like Pacific Northwest area between Seattle and Portland and Vancouver to learn from other traveling rope tops. So I spent, yeah, I would say I probably tied on average, um, would do maybe two rope sequences a day for like maybe four days out of a week. Okay. So 
yeah, I threw myself in. <laughs> yeah, totally. And how did you integrate what seems like quite different styles? So you were learning from lots of teachers and they were teaching you different ways of doing things. How did you bring those together into something that was Naughty Devil? I think I really, it was anything that really resonated with me, anything where that made me stop and think, or like that kind of like blew my mind. Like, there's someone I learned from um, Fuoko who, when she ties and she like, she pre-locks the arms uh, for the TKs and she has like this circus background. And so she's like, no, this is like, and showed me all these techniques. And then, so I took that and I was practicing that a little bit. And then one of the other people I learned from, uh, Yuroi, who was very like, intense flow based was like, oh, you could do that, but you can do it in a way where you take control of the situation, where you take control of the person while you're doing it. And so like whatever little bits really helped me with the with my three focuses, which were connection, something that's like aesthetically pleasing, but also something that had a purpose. Anything that helped benefit that I would do. And I would still practice other styles. Like I, I, I haven't had the pleasure of learning under Kanoko in person. I've done a couple online classes and I love his web style. I love all of that. And it's really fun to practice, but it's not really something that I really integrate into my daily practice and routine, but it's also fun to do. So there was a lot of other stuff, like little tidbits and tricks that I learned from other teachers. But I think my main focus was I wanted the person in rope to be feeling the energy that I was putting into it. And I wanted them to be having, uh, to be also enjoying it and never feel like there's a static moment where they just have to sit there. But that also still does happen. I'm not quite there where I want to be, where it's like that. I haven't quite perfected that flow of making that be constant, but it's still something that I'm learning and working towards. Okay, so is that how you've made your rope truly you? Because as you and listeners will know, I'm a bit of a stalker when we have an interviewee. And on your FetLife is a poem which talks about that progression. I think it's quite early in your journey about how you can make rope represent you. Yeah, because I see all of these incredible and all of these teachers I learned from are like incredible and fantastic and they've all taken whatever rope that they've learned from other people and made it their own. And so early on, it was like this, how do I do that? How do I find that? And I think it was something where I, I don't, I don't know what to like, how to describe it other than just this instinct or aesthetic that specifically stood out to me. And anytime I could see that, see bits of that or see like maybe a new kind of way to do something, I would take that and I would add it to my like, growing list of like little tricks and tips that I had learned. And I think eventually that just kind of turned into what I do. And I'm still like, I had the pleasure of tying with someone quite recently who had spent like three years since I tied them because they live long distance. And they, after we tied, they were like, it's wild because your style, the way that you've tied has changed so much in three years. And um, and so had theirs as well. And so it's like finding, um, and I still think like, as I continue to progress, it's going to change more. So I don't know if there's ever like, if there's one specific thing that's me, but I think in that moment, anything that I find that that's just matches my aesthetic or what I'm going for, is just kind of like part of me. 
Mm. Nati, you mentioned a couple minutes ago tying with flow. What does that word flow mean to you in the context of rope? I think for me, it's kind of like it's almost there's there's parts of it that are like partner dancing in a way where there's a kind of call and response or conversation with your partner's body where like if I put someone's wrists in a single column or double column in front of them and then I pull on it a little bit and then I sit there and I kind of watch what their reaction is. Do they accept that pull? Uh, do they like kind of push themselves into it? Do they kind of hold back a little bit? Do they yank back a little bit and then adapt what I'm doing to match that? And so then I like kind of, okay, see how they communicate non-verbally. And then I go, okay, if you're going to like, let me lead you, then I'm going to lead you into the next pose nice and gentle. If you're going to fight against it, then I'm going to go with that energy and match that energy and fight back for it. And so it's kind of that, that flow is kind of where uh, both people are in a very similar headspace in a very similar spot where we are reacting to each other and sometimes that's like long drawn out movements or sometimes it's very quick or sometimes it's very like soft and so finding that balance for me and finding that way to connect with someone without speaking is flow excellent do you have any kind of background in dance or contact improv or anything like that I do. I have I have a little bit of a background in dance. I have a little bit of a background in martial arts and um, and uh, I kind of combine the two. I got thrown. I got thrown around. I did uh, jujitsu for a couple of years in college and I got thrown around by a lot of uh, hot older men. And it was very fun for me. <laughs> and I learned a lot of things from that and it was very much like, oh, I like this. And then I didn't ever think I'd utilize it until I discovered rope. And then I was like, oh, what if I did this? And what if I did this? And and then also I would do a little bit of, I think I did a little bit of swing, a little bit of country swing. I wasn't very good at it when I did it, but then also just kind of a little bit of uh I kind of combined, I was like, what if I combine aspects of dance with that? And then when I studied briefly under Eroy, um, uh, that's something that he would bring into it was that kind of like martial arts, um, how jujitsu kind of like taking an opponent down with the rope and using that. And so that really kind of like opened that area up for me. And mm. um, you're a rope switch. Uh, in fact, you do all the things. You, you um, tie yourself as well. How does that affect the different types of rope that you do? I think it's really giving me an eye for how I judge sustainability, both in myself and in others, if we're doing something suspension. It also kind of like, like when I first started bottoming for a couple like really intense scenes, I really got to understand the headspace of being bound, of being feeling helpless, feeling exposed, feeling vulnerable. And I think if anything that really kind of added to, I would take little bits and pieces of that and be like, how can I do that to other people? And because I love that feeling so much. And so that's really kind of, I like, I like doing that. I also have occasionally tied people and then tied myself to those people. Mm -hmm. So we're both in that position because I find mutual suffering and mutual struggling just so hot. <laughs> in your personal practice of rope naughty, is rope bondage something that's sexual for you? 
Oh, absolutely. I have a fetish. I like, I need, I need rope or there, I need there to be some kind of bondage in order for there to be any like sexual contact at all. Uh, like nine times out of 10, I would say. And it's, it's something where it's also interesting because, and I was talking about this with a friend of mine recently, where it was like, sometimes if you go into it and the idea of what you're doing is the goal is sex, then rope kind of becomes a little bit it goes a little bit off to the side. So it's mostly like, okay, how do I just like tie my partner in a way that I can uh, have sex with them? Whereas if the focus is rope, but both people are allowing there to be sex, then it's almost a lot more edging. There's a lot more kind of buildup and it's kind of a lot hotter. And so for me, that's something that I usually like, that's a part of my uh, sex practice is like, focusing on what's is the goal for us to have sex or is the goal for there to be rope and then the sex kind of just happens naturally throughout that but i also have really good communication with these people so it's not something that it's just like like oh sex pops up uh it's more like we both are aware and consenting to that kind of thing but can the rope then be kind of like foreplay before the sex in a situation oh. like that? Absolutely. And I mean, a lot of it too, like I've definitely done scenes where the goal has not been sex. The goal has not been anything like that, or the goal has not even been sexual play, but still feel very edged after the rope scene because it was very hot, because it was very, I'm going to tie a person up and not even like, they can remain fully clothed, but I'm clearly going to send the intent that I want them to not be clothed while still leaving clothes on. If there's like straps, kind of like slowly brushing the strap down over the shoulder or maybe unbuttoning one or two buttons or maybe just unbuttoning like the pants but not touching at anything else. Like sending that intent is so, I love that kind of like edge play, not even removing clothes, not even, not even like adding crotch rope or anything, just kind of letting people know that that's what you want without doing that is just like it just builds and builds and it's so hot i love that playing with that and from the outside i would describe some of your rope as primal rope and you've talked about some of the martial arts is that something you identify with yourself i think so i i would say like for me primal primal play um is something where i'm fighting with or like just trying to take control either with with actual physical control or body language something where it's not so much there's nothing really verbal about it it's mostly like i'm going to take my partner i'm going to like grab them from behind cover their mouth like sweep their legs out from under them and shove them onto the ground so they can't get away really quick and then if they're struggling i can pin them down or roll around or with my partner pixie uh, we don't really do very much impact, but we have a rule where if they're being a brat or if she's trying to escape and I just can't tie, just can't tie very well, I will actually just hit her in the chest like two or three times. And that will kind of, cool, I'm reasserting dominance in a way, if you will, because I can be like, oh, are you good? Like, are you going to beg me for this? And she's like, no, no. And I'm like, cool. All right. <laughs> just, <laughs> And it's very fun. But yeah, I would say I kind of like dabble in, in primal play. And how would you define primal play for our audience who might not have come across it? I think my understanding or I guess my idea of it is 
it's it's something where there's no words there's no there's like grunting there's there's you can make noises but it's not like verbal communication it's taking control of a person using kind of almost using your lesser like your baser notions of that kind of just that inner beast or that inner like i i guess one of the way that i came across it was someone i did i talked for like some pup play and so my partner at the time was a pup and i considered myself like a wolf in that kind of headspace and it was very much like i'm the one in charge i'm going to take you i'm going to like i'm but i'm going to do it without speaking i'm going to do it using my body or using like grunts or just kind of like really getting on top and fighting for that. And so I think for me, that's, that's primal. Awesome. Dear listeners, this was the first part of our super interesting conversation with Naughty Devil. If you would like to hear the rest of it, catch us on our very next episode. And if you would like us to do more interviews like this one, please come support us on our Patreon, patreon.com slash rope podcast. Thanks for listening and have fun tying.